Have you ever been tempted to lose heart? Am I the only one that has been tempted to lose heart here? See, to lose heart is to be discouraged. It's to lose confidence, to stop believing what you've always believed. I'm not asking if you've ever been tempted to lose. I'm not asking if you've ever lost your heart. I'm asking if you've been tempted if you've, you've experienced some discouragements in your life. You know, there are, despite the fact that you're a Christian and you know that the Lord is faithful and you know that he's been faithful in your life and you know that there are things that the Lord has done, for some reasons, we are still tempted at times to lose heart. Your child gets sick. You look at her and you feel pity for her. And you pray, trusting that God will provide a way. But then the child dies. And you find yourself in that moment of discouragement. And then you conceive. And now you are afraid. You are afraid because of the previous experience. And so you find yourself now, even though you have every reason to be joyful, you are fearful. You are tempted to lose heart. You go to a doctor and they find something in you. And then you go back to the next visit and there is something else. When the third visit comes, you find yourself worrying being afraid of what they will find this time. And you are tempted to lose heart. You look at your children the way they are growing and they are not, they are not growing the way you would want them to grow. They don't seem to have the fear of God. Your children, your grandchildren, and you look at them and you have tried to be faithful. You're not perfect, but you've tried your best to be faithful to God. You pray for them, you read the scriptures, you do everything that you, you know the Lord expects you to do. And then you look at what's happening to your children and your grandchildren and you are tempted to lose heart. And so as a Christian, the question that I think our scripture 
wants us to answer this morning, wants us to, to experience this morning is what happens when we are tempted to lose heart? What happens when you are discouraged? When you are tempted to despair? When you are tempted to stop believing what you have always believed? And I think one person that goes through that experience is Paul. Paul a courageous Christian, someone who is not afraid to identify with Jesus and to speak for Christ. Someone that has gone through pain and suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. We find him in Corinth in Acts chapter 18. Last Sunday, we saw him in Athens where he proclaimed Christ to the intellectuals, the philosophers, and he left Athens discouraged. And then he comes to Corinth and he goes to the synagogue. He reasons with the Jews and the Gentiles and they refuse to believe his message and he decides to leave. He's so discouraged. He tells them, from now I'm going to the Gentiles. But as if that's not enough, in Corinth, he finds a city that is morally decaying. A city that exalts immorality. A city that takes pride in its ungodliness and tries to silence those who stand for righteousness. A city that... Uh, puts pressure on people to embrace and affirm its values. He finds himself in this city, and Paul is discouraged, and he is afraid. Most likely, he is insecure. And... In many times when we are discouraged, we are tempted to lose heart. In most cases when we are afraid, we are tempted to lose heart. Paul, this apostle that we we exalt as Christians, we look unto him, God has used him to write most of the New Testament, he's, he's been extraordinary. He finds himself in this place in Corinth, and he is afraid. You don't expect Paul to be afraid. And maybe you are asking me, I don't see that in the scripture. Why, why are you saying that he's afraid? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 9. Because you may not see it, but God sees it in Paul, and God intervenes to encourage him. You look at verse 9, what does God say in verse 9? We are told one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. And he said, 
do not be afraid. That's the first thing the Lord tells him. Why will God tell Paul not to be afraid if he is not afraid? Paul knows where he is. He knows the pressure that he's facing. He knows the temptation that he's going through. He knows that what might happen to him. And God knows what Paul is going through. And he intervenes to tell him the first thing. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid because of what you are going through. And God is telling him this because God can see where Paul is coming from and where he is going. He knows what he has experienced and he knows what he's going to experience. And therefore he tells him, don't be afraid. And this is not just a message to Paul. It is a message to each one of us because there are moments in our lives that bring fear. Moments in our lives that will make us afraid, will make us even forget about God. What we don't realize is that fear gives the enemy a footstool. It tells the enemy, I no longer believe what I believe. My faith doesn't work. It's not helping me. That's what fear does. It gives the enemy a footstool. It invites the enemy in. Because when fear steps in, worry steps in, discouragement steps in, despair steps in, Everything else that the enemy can use to destroy comes in when we are afraid. And therefore, God tells Paul, do not be afraid. He doesn't stop there. He tells him, Keep on speaking and do not be silent. You see, fear will want to stop you from doing what the Lord wants you to do. Every time the enemy brings fear to your life, his goal is to stop you from being the kind of person God wants you to be. Fear will deprive you the joy that God wants you to have in your life. The peace that you deserve as a child of God. Fear will do that to you. I have never seen a happy person who is afraid. Fear is destructive. Fear, when fear comes in through the door, faith runs out 
through the window. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. So don't be afraid. Keep on doing what you are supposed to do. That's what God is telling Paul. That means Paul is tempted to be silent. He's tempted not to share the gospel. He's tempted to hide, to stay away. And God tells him, no, keep on speaking. And by the way, for those of you that may need to know this, the gospel is meant to be spoken. Jeremy, do you hear me? You see, there is a Catholic, uh, I think he was a priest, who said, his name is Francis of Assisi, he said, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That's very wrong. When Jesus sent his disciples, he never told them, Just go and people will see you. They will know that you are Christians. And then if necessary, say something. He told them, go and preach the gospel to every person, every creature. It's meant to be spoken. Of course, what we speak has to align with our lives, but it's meant to be spoken. Faith comes by hearing. Not by seeing. The world says seeing is believing, right? The gospel says hearing brings faith. And hearing the message of Christ. Those of you that have lied to themselves that I'm going to live like a Christian and people will see me and then they will follow Jesus. That's a lie. It's meant to be spoken. Jesus was the best Christian, and he still spoke. He didn't just live his life and let people follow him. He spoke the message that he had. Keep on speaking. Keep on doing what the Lord wants you to do. And then the Lord says this, and this is my best part. And by the way, in these two verses is where my calling comes from. These are the first scriptures that God brought to my heart when he called me into ministry. He says, For I am with you. Now, I can stop this message here, and it will be enough. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, for I am with you. See, it's not enough for God to tell Paul, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. That's not enough. Because there has, Paul has to realize the source of his courage. 
the source of his strength. He has to realize that. And so therefore the Lord assures him that I am with you. And that settles everything. Knowing that the Lord is with you settles everything. David says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear anything. I will fear no evil because I killed Goliath. Amen? That was meant to wake some of you up. <laughs> he says, I will fear no evil because I have five stones with me. Some of you, three stones? <laughs> some of you are looking at me like, what version is he reading from? David says he understood in his life that the presence of God was the source of his courage. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. As long as I know that the Lord is with me, I can face anything anything because the encouragement that I need the peace that I need the joy that I need is found in the Lord and if the Lord is with me I have enough supply of confidence only a Christian who is deeply convinced of the presence of God in his or her life can say, I will not fear because you are with me. And one of the things that the enemy will want us to do, will want us to feel or experience, is that we are going through what we are going through alone. It may feel like you are the only one who is going through this. You are the only one who is feeling this pain, this depression, this worry, this discouragement. And every time you start feeling that way, you start looking at yourself, then you will be lonely. And then you start pushing back to yourself and you no longer see the Lord. And then worry takes over and you fail to enjoy what the Lord wants you to enjoy but the Lord is telling Paul here that the reason you are not going to fear the reason you will keep on doing what I have called you to do is because I am with you thank you Anne Marie I'm glad at least there is one person here who is listening And he finishes by saying, and no one is going to attack or harm you. You should know that God 
is responding to Paul's need here. He is aware of what Paul is going through. He is aware of his thoughts. He is aware of everything that he's going through. And he is responding to that with assurance so that Paul can continue enjoying the peace of God, the presence of God, and the power of God. I don't think there is any thing good that God can say to us than assuring us that despite what we are going through, he is with us. Anytime you find yourself in those moments of fear and discouragement, remember this passage. Come back and remind yourself Come back and see what God says to Paul because he's saying it to you as well. Let me sum this up. God is telling Paul in one sentence, I have the last word. Your environment may be telling you something different. Your circumstances may be giving you a different message. Other people around you may be telling you something different. But I have the last word. And I'm telling you, my brother and my sister, God is the person you want to hear from. Because his word changes everything. There's a centurion in the Bible who came to Christ. His servant was dying. And he came to Christ and he told him, Lord, my servant is dying. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And he turned to Jesus and he said, no, you don't have to come. You, you have power. Just say the word. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. God's word changes everything. And that's why as a Christian, when you realize that he's always with you, regardless of your experiences, regardless of your pain, your desire has to be to hear from God. Your desire has to be to know what he's saying because he has the last word. Let me tell you this. The doctors don't have the last word. They may think they do, but they don't. God has the last word. It's until God says it's over when it's over. Some of you are struggling to believe this. Because as I speak, the enemy is bringing to you experiences in your life. And you are remembering this. You're like, oh, I'm not sure God had the last word here. I'm not. God always has the last word. Even when his last word is to call me home. When he thinks it's time to go and he says, Valerian, Forget about what's going on. Forget about what the doctors are saying. Forget about all this. It's your time to come home. That's his last word. 
and I will respond to it. As if I have a choice. Listen to how Paul responds. In verse 11, we are given his response. We are told, so Paul saw, because of what the Lord has said, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. The same person who was afraid listens to God and he responds by doing what God wanted him to do. And he faces persecution that it backfires in that city. God had already seen what was going to happen. And Paul stays for one and a half years. I think he he shares his experience when he's talking in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 16. I think Paul is sharing with us the lesson that he learned in this experience. Let me just read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 to 18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, and some of us feel it, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Feel, praise the Lord. Outwardly, we are wasting away. We are losing our memories. We are losing our strength. We are losing almost everything that we used to enjoy in life as far as our flesh is concerned. And God knows that. Paul understands that. He knows what is happening to his body. And he says, but inwardly, there is also something that is happening. And that thing is, I'm being renewed day by day. He's telling us that my pain is real. My difficulties are real. But God is real too. And if God is real, he must have the last word. For our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, because of this, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. All those diagnoses are temporary. All the pain that we experience is temporary. All the difficulties that we go through in this life are temporary. The worries, the depressions, the fears, the discouragements are temporary. 
Only God is real. Only God is permanent. Only God should have the last word. As difficult as this may be for some of us to accept, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, you know that Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, that was God demonstrating his love for you. Regardless of every difficulty or every painful experience that you may have, if you are a child of God, you should be able to look at Jesus on the cross and say, my greatest healing happened on that cross. That everything I'm going through right now has nothing, is nothing compared to my greatest sickness, which is sin. And that sin, that sickness was nailed on the cross when Jesus shed his blood for me. And if you believe that that Jesus who died went to prepare a place for you and that one day you will be united with him and those believers who went before you, you have every reason as you live this life, you have every reason as you face difficulties, you have every reason when you are tempted to lose heart to look at Christ and say, God, help me believe that you have the last word. You have every reason to turn to God and ask him to help you accept what he has for you. You have every reason to ask you to increase your faith if that's what you need. Because the enemy will want you to look at yourself. He will want you to live in fear. He will want you not only to fear what you are going through, but also to imagine what you will go through so that you can live in fear. And we have Christians who are afraid, not because of what they are experiencing now, but because of what they think they will experience. And that is influenced by their previous experiences. And therefore, when they look into the future, instead of seeing God who is doing wonderful things, things, who has a wonderful plan for them, they see the difficulty. They are allowing their past to influence their future. We have Christians who are no longer enjoying their relationships because they are allowing the experiences of the past to define their present. Christians that believe that they have been forgiven, that God has cleansed them, he has given them a clean chapter in their lives, and yet they are not enjoying their present relationship. It's as if God no longer has power to transform lives anymore. If you are that one person who is failing to enjoy her or his relationship because of a previous experience, it's your time to turn to the Lord today and ask the Lord to help you 
accept what he says of you because God has the last word. If he has said that he has forgiven you, he has forgiven you. It's up to you to accept that. And when he says that I am with you, do not be afraid. And you're finding it difficult to believe, turn to him. Tell him, God, help me to believe this. Help me to believe that what you say is what matters. Help me to respond to this truth so that I can glorify you in my life. And if Jesus is not yet your savior, you also have a chance. You have a chance to stop living that life and start a new life in Jesus Christ. You can turn to him this morning and ask him to forgive you and to save you. And he promises to receive you. He promises to forgive you. And his Holy Spirit will come in you and begin transforming you. And you will be able to say in your life that I'm going to trust God to have the last word in my life. May God help you.